welcome back to Huskies on Tap, a podcast for the Huskies by the Huskies presented to you by the ONTAP Sportsnet. But before we get started, let me tell you about our friends over at Manscaped. If you're looking for the best manscaping products on the planet, go to manscaped.com and browse their awesome selection. The Lawnmower 3.0 brings you 7,000 RPMs of skin-safe technology so you don't nick, scrape, or cut those sensitive areas. Want to keep your boys fresh all day? No problem. Go and pick up the ball toner and deodorant so you're fresh all day long. Go to manscaped.com and use promo code ONTAP to get 20% off and free shipping on all your manscaping needs. But we had a game last night. It was a hell of a game. Our guys battled tooth and nail all the way down to the end of it. Ethan, you were able to get in the press conference. How was your experience watching the first game from home? I think since we, you know, since we moved into the apartment, I would have to say maybe one of the first games that we've watched on the TV in a while. But uh, how was that and how was the press conference afterwards? Well, ironically, uh, the Ball State game last year was the game that we left at halftime to and w- ended up watching back here the second half of that. So that's kind of weird. Do uh, You are that. correct. That was yeah. the Mud Bowl game. It was. It was. They even talked about it during the uh, the broadcast as well. Just it's It's tough to see another close loss to Ball State especially after the way we lost to them last year, wanting to go on the road and beat them this year. And I know we talked, we texted back and forth last night too, and it was a winnable football game. This was such a winnable football game. And if you asked me at the end of the first quarter, if they were going to lose that game, I would have thought you were great. Yeah. And they played well. I mean, the offense was able to move the ball. They came out and scored in less than three minutes on the first drive. And I was like, okay, Ross is cooking. The receivers look nice. Harrison Whaley was toting the rock, and they were they were making a good combination of using Whaley and Aaron Collins, and both backs were running with a real purpose last night. And the offensive line, too. The offensive line played well. That's a quality defense over there on Ball State. And I know, you know, there's a couple plays that we can sit back and look at, and we'll get into those later. But this was, like you said, a very winnable game. They ended up only losing by six points. A couple of analytics plays for Coach Hammock down the stretch to make sure that, you know, certain opportunities were secured, you know, such as the the two-point conversion. For the casual fan in that situation, Coach Hammock is looking to try and finish him. He's saying, you know, if we get an opportunity to score a touchdown, I'm not playing around with overtime. So that's why he would have went for two in that situation. And then the field goal as well. I know there may have been some flack or people questioning why you're kicking a field goal. They would have had to take a lot more time to get a touchdown. And if you don't get the field goal right there or a touchdown, like instantly, there's no shot to win the game. So I understand those two calls. He called a great game as well. So, And I thought the onside kick was going to be it. Like right off the boot, I was like, oh, that's a good bounce. But they didn't get on top of it. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I think he really did call a great football game again. And I know I tweeted it out and I know they talked about it on the broadcast as well. They were really just talking up how well Coach Hammock was coaching up this game last night. And and I agree, they were able to, to move the ball early. They found a rhythm early, and it seemed like that interception in, I think, the second quarter really kind of, you know, took the wind out of their sails a little bit. And, you know, going back to what you said with Aaron Collins and Harrison Whaley, you know, I got a chance to ask Aaron last night about, you know, his thoughts on uh, on Harrison. And, you know, he was all praise, all praise about where this freshman is at and just talent he has and what he's going to bring to the table for the next four to five years, depending on what happens with the eligibility thing. Yeah. And I was talking about that a lot too last night, but yeah, I mean, we're not going to sugarcoat it. I mean, let's call spade a spade. The offense was cooking. It was 14 to seven. They were driving down the field and, you know, 
first and 10 early in, you know, early in the set of downs, the first play, and Ross throws it into a double or triple coverage looking for Daniel Crawford on a, on a pass that I know he wishes he had back and a pass that he, he didn't really need to force in that situation. And then it ends up being a 73-yard pick six. And that really, like, kind of flipped the game on its head. I know we got the ball back and we moved the ball again, like, at will. We were moving the ball very quickly, very proud of the way the offense was able to battle and continue to put drives together. But then, uh, you know, to follow that up, we had a 45-yard missed field goal by John Richardson. So in those two drives, in a total of seven minutes, we left 10 points on the board and there was a 14-point swing that wasn't insurmountable. But Ball State really used that as the momentum going into the half. And then, I mean, even on the broadcast, they talked about our blunders in the third quarter. It was looking very scary early. And our guy, Dylan Thomas, bailed us out with the interception of a lifetime in the end zone to keep us in the game. I actually called for an interception. I didn't think it was going to be that crazy. So so good job on that one, Dylan. But he also had a phenomenal game last night. But they were able to keep them out of the end zone. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, look, let's push the tempo. Let's move the ball and let's get, you know, let's get some points off this turnover three and out. And then Ball State kind of really took control of the game after that. 100%. Ball State really just pounded the rock in the second half. And you know, I know I, I touched on it a little bit in the the recap article that will be out later on today is you know, they held Caleb Huntley to, I think, like 60 yards in the first quarter. Um, I didn't get into the second quarter just yet no it was like it was like 26 yards in the first half bro dyslexia 62 26 we're not math guys either not way it was a low amount for what Caleb Huntley should have had but either way I want to go back to something that coach Hammock talked about in his press conference and really going back to the offensive errors and the blunders in the third quarter and it's all things that add up to you know uh an 0-3 team and that's where they're at right now but both Coach Hammock and Ross Bowers are both aware. And I, I think Ross Bowers really handled himself last night in the press conference. But Coach Hammock talked about the next 10 days being kind of like a training camp mentality. You know, it was a, a wild off season. You know, I, I brought up missed tackling yesterday. That seemed to be a big struggle for this team. And he said that, you know, they aren't they need to get stronger. They need to get back in the weight room. They need to get more physical and they need to get stronger. So Obviously, this wild offseason is still having its lasting effects on this football team. And, and even going forward with, with Ross Bowers, you know, he knows. I think that the confidence is still there in him. You know, just listening to what he said last night, and if you have a chance to, to listen to the press conference from last night, I really think that you should listen to his answers because he knows that he is not performing his best right now. And he knows that, you know, there is a lot on him to get better for these next three games. And one thing that stood out to me is that all of the turnovers that he's had so far have resulted in scores. He's aware of that. He wants to fix that. And I think that really these next 10 days are going to say a lot about how this Huskies team goes into next season, because now it's not the start you wanted. This is not going to be the season you wanted, but there's still a lot of optimism going forward. And I really think that and a lot of people agree with me right now that this season is a perfect bridge year into a full season next year. And I really do think that once this team is able to get fully back in the weight room and get together and fully get stronger as a unit, this team is going to be dangerous. Yeah. And the one blessing of this whole COVID-19 pandemic for the athletes is they're able to get that extra year of eligibility. So, I mean, 
I'll never call it a fake season. I see people calling it a fake season on Twitter for all the different sports, football, baseball, basketball, all of it. It's not true. Those, those athletes in, in, in college athletics, especially people that are trying to build tape for the NFL and, and try to better their lives are definitely going out there and laying it all out, all out on the line. And I feel like even though they lost last night, they played their most complete game. Obviously, you know, the turnovers, the one ended up being not necessarily a dagger at the time, but it is a huge momentum flip. And then two, like you said, like it's very rare that you see every single one of your turnovers result in a touchdown on that play. That's like, I want to find like a, we need an analytics stat guy or someone that can do a deep dive on that. Cause that is not ideal. So, I mean, from, from my standpoint, from a coaching standpoint, what I would say is, is look, we're going to practice pick sixes. We're going to throw actual interceptions to our DBs in practice. And you got to figure out a way to push them out of bounds. You got to figure out a way to tackle them or just, you know, disrupt them from getting to the end zone because whether it's been a fumble or an interception and it's, it sounds crazy that we're saying to practice this, but after being beat that many times on an interception or a fumble and it resulting in a touchdown on that same play, something has to be changed. I I love that idea personally. I mean, you and I, we both agree on a lot of things. And right now we've said it for the last three weeks that turnovers are the issue between that. And, you know, it's like, we can't score in the third quarter. Don't know what it is. Don't know why we're coming out so flat in the second half. But, you know, those are really the two things that have come to fruition in this six game season. And it's like I said, I think this team is learning. This team is getting a valuable learning experience from these six football games because we know what kind of teams we're facing going forward. I think we go to the big house next year. Obviously, Michigan's on the downfall, so who knows what they're going to look like next year. But you're talking about playing a lot bigger opponents, and you got to find ways to beat your conference before you talk about going and beating, you know, Power Five. See, and it goes back to the point of you know this is the perfect bridge season, like you said, and right now it's all about getting guys experience, and it's all about progressing as a team. I mean, we're zero and three right now, and there's only three games left. And to be honest, like you know you're going to get a, a win prediction from us every week. But to call a spade a spade, I, I really think the only, like, win-win that we – unless we absolutely play a terrible game is Eastern Michigan. I think they can beat Toledo, but that remains to be seen. And Western Michigan is just, like – they must have flipped a switch uh, in the third quarter of last week's game because they are on fire. I think they scored almost 60 points last night. I'm glad we don't have to play Kent State because they've scored 60 and three straight and their quarterback looks phenomenal, Dustin Crum. But yeah, right now uh, you just got to take care of who's on your schedule and you just have to continue to get better as a football team. I mean, that defense, again, if you look at the score, it's 25 to 25. The six came from, you know, a defensive score. And when we're not here for moral victories, but the team is getting better and the way it's been recruited, the way they're growing it, yeah, we knew this year wasn't going to be the best. We knew we had the talent, but you have to be able to put all the talent together. And that's something that doesn't happen overnight. And in a six-game season with a limited preseason and no spring practices, that's tough. But moving forward, like you said, I really do feel comfortable with the direction of this program. And it's not just you. I think there's a lot of fans out there that have that optimism, that share that optimism with us and will you know interact with us on social media and still 
say that they praise this team. There is still a lot to look forward to with this football team. At the at the end of the game, Ross Bauer still threw for 300 yards yesterday. You know, I think yes, he did. Yes, he I did, think, and his completion percentage was pretty damn good too. Right. I think the error, the errors of of last night, and obviously the the weeks of frustration of this offense not you know being able to put points on the board and be able to get in the end zone and find ways to keep drives going. Obviously, it comes down to the quarterback. So, despite you know everything that's going on and everything, the the lack of offense, the struggling offense. He still went out and performed yesterday and still was able to keep this team close to get. I mean, I think if NIU had five more minutes on the clock, it's still a whole different game. So, yeah, and that's another thing. I was not a fan of the timeout usage in the second half. Like you said, if we had five more minutes or just a couple more timeouts in the bag while we were chasing, would have been more ideal. And then, too, I mean, the defense, they can only hold so strong. Obviously, they gave up the field goal on that last drive. There was that big third and seven play, I believe, where they just broke loose and got the majority of the yards that they got on that drive. But front seven, I mean, they held Caleb Huntley to about four yards of carry, 25 for 100. And at the half, like you said, he really didn't have anything going. Drew Plitt did not look phenomenal. And then, two, I mean, there was one play in the second half that I think it was like right at the beginning – that if Devern Rainier makes that interception, he's he's getting the turnover chain. He's celebrating in the end zone. He's stiff arming Drew Plitt into the shadow realm. But I think, you know, I don't know what it was. I, I, he had his hands on. He just wasn't able to come down with it. And you know, that's another guy who's stepping up in a big spot. It's good that he he was able to make the pass break up. But we want to see those results in six. Right. A lot of new guys making uh, names yesterday. I want to shout out my guy Miles getting the half sack yesterday night saw his name getting called out there so just like I said the depth and the the names that are coming out on this Huskies team is they're going to be dangerous going forward but to add on to what you talked about with the timeouts in the second half one thing that I kind of wanted to see a little bit more was a sense of urgency when you're down two touchdowns with 10 minutes to go like Ball State took control immediately in the second half they knew they were going to run the ball they knew they were going to take time away from NIU and they did that so NIU's driving down with with I think it was like 10 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And I understand the check two offense, but I just felt like there was no urgency going forward with that. Yeah, that was a little frustrating to see, uh, especially coming down the stretch. The offense was able to move the ball kind of at will yesterday. And I feel even though they only scored 25 points, like I said, that I honestly, that could have been right. If they would have just scored the damn 10 points that they should have scored, I could have had 35-31, bro. Goddamn. So close. And I texted you too late. Your Richardson prediction was still alive. Like, when when they were coming back, the game-winning Richardson prediction was still alive. And it would have been a big spot for him to make up for the miss earlier in the game. He still went out and, uh, you know, hit a field goal to put us back within one possession. But back to Ross. Ross had 67.5% completion percentage last night. It's 27-40. He was able to find plenty of different receivers. Guys like Trayvon Rudolph had phenomenal, you know, plays and yards after the catch. He was able to kind of get that connection that we were talking about with Cole Tucker. He had four for 41. Crawford had six for 51. And and then again, Richie, the high, 11 for 108 yards. I was going to say, you cannot yards, forget yeah. that dime. You cannot forget that dime. <sighs> on that first drive? On he that first dropped drive, that into yeah. his bread basket, bro. Yeah, and, and, and too, when the broadcasters honestly talked about it, too, he wasn't, you know, 
Ross wasn't getting the most help the first few weeks. He was kind of under the rest. There was a lot more pressure in his face. They kept his jersey a little bit cleaner last night and the other night. And I just really feel that there's an overwhelming sense of panic that Ross is not the guy. And I just feel that it's hard to go and pull a guy after the way he played. I was very scared that after seeing how the Mitch and Nick Foles thing panned out, that that interception was going to be it. I, and they kept, you know, they would not stop talking about bringing Dustin Fletcher in. And, and, and you know, when it is his time, we're going to fully support him. But I was just like, they're playing that narrative. They're kind of beating it to, you know, beating it to death. And we also saw too, and, and we've talked about it. Uh, Andrew Haydick came in and got, you know, a key first down to keep a drive moving. That's a quarterback that kind of reminds me a lot of Marcus Childers. You know, he, he's a more of a runner, can still pass, has had a couple good passes on the season, but can give us that extra yard or two in a pinch. I agree. And realistically here, and, and this isn't just the fan coming out of me, this is the, the, the sports business side of things. At what point here in this six-game season when you know that, you know, Ross, what, is his fifth year now? So if he's coming back next year or not, you got to get a quarterback ready for next year. So what point, if you're losing games down the stretch, if you lose this next game to Western Michigan, do you throw out your younger guys for these last two games or the final game against, what is it, Eastern? Yeah, Eastern. Yeah, I mean, you make a very valid point. I don't know. Uh, we Unfortunately, we don't know how uh, how everyone's going to play their eligibility. If, if six-year guys like uh, Ross Bowers or our guy Kyle Pugh, which we'll get to in a second. I, I know you're riled up just about everybody in, in Husky Nation was riled up about that BS last night. But from my perspective, especially in a year like this, if Ross can take an extra year to kind of build, I'm sure he will. But we don't know moving forward what the program will want to do at the quarterback position. And, and we'll obviously find out here in a few days uh, if he will get the nod to play uh, next week against Western Michigan. But this is kind of our bye week. We got about, you know, a little over a week off. Not off. Definitely not off. They don't have the week off. But they have a week in, a week and some change in between games. So they have time to lick their chops. And they have time to get prepared for, I think, the hottest team in the MAC right now, either Western Michigan or Kent State. But let's go back to the Kyle Pugh targeting call. Because, first of all, his helmet never – it never touched the other helmet it wasn't like a drop head hit. It was a shoulder to shoulder hit and it got reviewed and they still bounced him from the game. I was baffled when that happened. I think you and just about every other person on Twitter was baffled by that call. I mean, shout out our guy, Andrew Zimmer. I mean, he called it, you know, they got to do away with that. I mean, if you're going to review the call, get the call right. If you're going to spend the time, if you're going to take the time away to review the call, at least get it right. I mean, you got the guy from ESPN in the booth literally saying that it's not a penalty. So I know a lot of people last night were not happy with this officiating crew, and I don't know how true it was. I think somebody said it might have been the Big 12. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know how true that is, but boy, I mean, talk about a bad year the Big 12 is having, if that's the case. Make it make sense, bro. I don't understand why a Mac 
a Mac West game would have a Big 12 official. That doesn't make any sense. And then two, like... I'd have to confirm that. Like, yeah. I, I want to know how to find that out, but yeah. That we'll would... go back over in the Western Michigan preview. We'll go back over that. But from my understanding, it's the same broadcasters that we had last week. And I actually tuned in to... I forgot what the, um, the redhead gentleman's name was. I, he had a... He had a, like a different name. It was something that you don't normally hear, but... I like him better on the sideline than I like him in the booth, to be honest. He's, he's a little bit better on the sideline. And, and from what I saw on Twitter last week, that crew just doesn't do us any justice. It feels like whether we're watching our Bears, whether we're watching NIU, whether we're watching our Notre Dame Fighting Irish, the media always has some BS to say about our teams, and I'm not a fan of it. I actually put, them on, I put the game on mute at a certain point to put the draft volume on because – I was just tired of the shit they were spinning, and I'm, I apologize for the for the cuss. I was I don't remember what game was on uh, CBS the other night, but can we get our guy Malik Zaire to NIU or to at least cover an NIU game? Like, I really like his enthusiasm in the booth, and I think that he brings a lot of passion and a lot of energy to the broadcast. So I'd love to see CBS come out here and cover a game, or maybe we'll see him up in uh, one of the Michigan games. Yeah, and, and honestly, too, like, Benetti should have been called an NIU game at this point. With him being in Illinois and being the Chicago White Sox guy, I mean, talk about proximity. That's one of the busiest men in sports, and, and he's always great on a, on a call. His uh, Lucas Giolito no-hitter call was phenomenal, and I'm not even a White Sox fan. So that's something that uh, for the next two weeks we'll have to get used to, or is it two or three weeks before we get to go back to the same? I think we don't get to go back to the fifth, right? Yeah. And then for Western Michigan, and then, I don't know, maybe we'll try and, and make a trip out to Eastern for the last, for the Braden Patton Bowl. Uh, him against his pops. That'll be that'll be quite a trip. But if we can secure media passes, I don't see why not. They had some uh, some Chippewa media from uh, Central Michigan up in the box last week. So long as one of our cars will make it, I think we'll be good. But again, I, I'm really proud of the way this team battled last night. I know we didn't win the game. I know everybody wants to win every week. And you know, between this game and the Buffalo game, it's two games that you sit back and you look. And there's a there's a select few plays that you can say, hey. These were very big turning points in the game, and they may have cost us this one. And moving forward, you got to have short-term memory loss. You got to just continue to to grind and get back to work. This 10-day period should give us an opportunity to get healthy and give Western Michigan our best shot because we are not going to be able to have drives not finished with points against that team. Absolutely. If you're able to find a way to take that first quarter from yesterday and find that offense and keep it consistent to that, I don't see why you won't find NIU putting up points every week. I mean, I, I love the way that they were going early. I love the tempo. You know, the short routes early, and they wanted to get that deep pass going. And he took a shot. Bowers took some shots, but they just they didn't get going, and it didn't pay off in, in the long run. But I really like that first drive of the game. I think if they're able to find that going forward, this this offense will be on the right track to getting better. Yeah, and the way they started that game is the way they should start every single game. Absolutely love the turnover dog train with the hard way on it. Uh, whoever made that, if you're listening to this, please reveal yourself. We would love to have you on the show to discuss the design, uh, the ideas, and just the concept of that whole thing because turnover chains and, and, and turnover uh, – you know, cloaks and, and all that stuff in college football is something that we are both very interested in. So if you know or 
you yourself know who made it, please let us know. We'd love to have them on the show. But again, it was a very young team. They battled extremely hard. And I didn't really have too many play calling issues. There was uh, like a third and five in the third quarter where we ran a draw. Or was it third and five or third and ten, Ethan? I know you you had the same uh, play. It was, it was closer. It was third and five. I remember it being – it was either third and five or maybe around like third and six, third and seven. But definitely not the, 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 not the spot to call a draw yeah. on third down. I agree with that. And I think – I agree with you 100%. Especially without Ross completing passes and, and spreading the rock. He was Chris Paul out there last night. Right, right, 100%. I think that, too, he was able to use his feet a little bit more. I know that you talked about you know, him getting a little bit more protection last night, but he was able to step up in the pocket and look downfield a little bit more before able to, to take off. And obviously, you know, he took some sacks, but I think that, the opportunity is there, and if this offensive line can keep him protected and if no one's open downfield, I mean, we saw him flip over guys for touchdowns before, so he's not afraid to use his feet. He's not afraid to take off and run for those extra yards. I think that, like I said, he handled himself really well in the press conference last night. It was his first press conference of the season. Um, you know, you could tell that the questions were being asked, you know, what are, somebody asked, what are you seeing on the interceptions? Like, first of all, horrible question, horrible question to ask, but you know, you could tell that he knows that there's a lot of pressure on him in these next three games or however many games that he ends up playing. And, you know, he's our guy. He's our guy. He might not be anyone else's guy, but we know what he can do and what he has to bring to the table with his leadership and just the outpouring support for this football team that he has is just, I mean, he cares about this football team. He cares about this program. And he wants to win. Yeah, and uh, if you haven't already, make sure you go wish him a happy birthday. It's his birthday today. We had some technical difficulties last night, so we are actually recording this uh, Thursday afternoon. I'm going to get on the uh, editing machine and get this thing out as quick as possible. But, yes, it is Ross Bowers' birthday today on Thursday. And, I know he's uh, a little bit older, but he's got me uh, He's got me beat by however many years older and, what, four days, I think. So. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, enjoy the day. You played your ass off last night. You can't get that one throwback. We're on to Western Michigan. Who do you have for your players of the game on offensive defense from last night? On the offensive side of the ball, I think I'm going to go with Tyrese Ritchie. He's the main guy in the wide receiving group right now. And obviously, Colt Tucker, we want him to be a dominant threat as well. But right now, Tyrese Ritchie is just making plays. I mean, he was able to, to beat the corner last night. Ross threw him a great ball. To the corner of the end zone he was able to keep his feet in there what a great catch and he's just he's been balling out since week one so I feel like you know he's not getting enough credit from you know a lot of people in the Mac I believe that he's he he is up there with a lot of these Mac receivers and if Ross is able to connect with him he is able to make guys miss in space and he's able to make plays on the defensive side of the ball I'm going to go with your prediction pick Dylan Thomas getting that interception last night was huge uh, keeping them out of the end zone was a key moment in that game. It's unfortunate that you know they couldn't capitalize on that, but the Dylan Thomas interception was definitely a key moment in that football game last night. Yeah, and for me on the offensive the ball, I think I've gone Tyrese Ritchie every single week, so I'm definitely going to switch up from that pick, especially considering that you picked him. But our guy Trayvon Rudolph, 5 for 95 and a long of 47. That guy can flat-out boogie in space. 
he is going to be similar to Harrison Whaley, someone that I'm so excited to watch over the next four or five years, someone that's going to make a lot of plays and will have their opportunity uh, to, to have their crack at the NFL, in my opinion. And I know we're just looking at him after three games. Like the kid is special. Harrison Whaley, also very special. And Aaron Collins played well as well last night. Uh, for my defensive pick of the game, I'm going to go with Devin Lafayette. So Devin Lafayette got his first sack last night at a TFL. Six solos, 10 total. He's all over the field. The kid definitely brought his lunchbox to work or his lunch pail to work yesterday to Muncie. And he played a hell of a game. And then another two, like Jordan Gandy kind of got picked on a little bit in that second half, but he also had 11 tackles. So he, he stayed busy and proud of the way that defense battled, proud of the way this team battled. They're very, very, very close. And I would just hate to see them take a step back against a team that is far superior in talent, in my opinion, to Ball State. Because Ball State, I mean, has played weird games all year where they've all been one possession games. They've trailed probably for more than they've been in the lead during this season. And they're somehow two and one. I agree. I think it takes me back to what I said in the beginning. This was a winnable football game. The, the mistakes cost us again. It's unfortunate that the mistakes have cost us almost every game now. I think that we look back at the Buffalo game and you take a look at those three turnovers in the third quarter. We're in that football game. You look at last week's game, we're in that game as well. And yesterday's game, just as just like that, we were in the football game and this team had the opportunity to get more wins on their record. And it's just unfortunate that they couldn't capitalize on it. But there is so much optimism about this football team. You just talked about two guys that will make an impact over the next four to five years. There's so many more guys like that on this roster, too, that just have not gotten their chance yet. And that's what I love about this program. Yeah, it goes back to what we talked about in the uh, offseason. Too much ammo. We just got to find a way to just fine-tune it and get those players to play to the best of their ability. And, you know, it's going to be tough going up against a very talented Western Michigan team. One final note uh, to, to tail off of your point, Ethan, Tyrese is fourth in the conference with 284 receiving yards. He is behind Antonio Nunn, who is at third, no surprise there. Isaiah McCoy, who is Dustin's number one you know, target over there at Kent State. And then Dwayne Asperge, someone that we've talked about several times on this podcast and we haven't even played them yet. So he is an elite company. He's about 30 yards ahead of Justin Hall. That's another kid that that has an opportunity if they continue to play or if he continues to play at the level that he is, what will have an opportunity to go to the league. So with that being said, uh, do you have any final wrap up thoughts for here for the ball state game? Something we talk about each and every week, and I'm going to restate it each and every week. We got to go one and oh, you have 10 days now to get better. You know, coach Hammock talked about it last night. They're going to go into training camp mentality. You know, don't be surprised if you're hearing a lot of whistles and a lot of, a lot of hitting going on at Husky Stadium the next 10 days because they want to get better. They want to get more physical because they want to win football games. And I really think they have a great opportunity in front of them to go in and play a really good Western Michigan football team and try to knock them off. I love it. And once we start getting more money into this thing, we will definitely get 1-0 every week t-shirts printed, uh, maybe with the hardware or something on there. We'll have to ask NIU if we can use it. But we really do appreciate you guys for tuning in this evening, this afternoon, this morning, however which way you listen to our podcast. We do appreciate your support. We appreciate the shares, the likes, all that stuff. Uh, man, the conversation, too. We'll try to get another listener question episode out here. I will be in the basketball press conference tomorrow afternoon, so I'll either get an article out about it or we'll talk about it on the preview episode for Western Michigan. That's the season that's going to be kicking up. 
We're going to be looking to cover it. And then two, don't forget about our friends over at Manscaped. Take a look at their inventory. Remember to use the promo code ONTAP to receive 20% off and free shipping on all your orders. But again, this was Huskies on Tap presented to you by the On Tap Sportsnet. Thank you for listening and go Huskies. I got drink of living left in the kitchen whipping magic. I got drink of living left in the kitchen whipping magic. Bad bitch, bad habits. We got London on the track. I ain't asked now for nothing. I took the heart away. Twelve put me over coming with it. They took my heart away. Heart away. Heart away. Heart away. Jump in it hard